0: President Biden appears to be casting doubt on Nancy Pelosi's potential visit to Taiwan next month. That's as the House Speaker receives threats from Beijing, but bipartisan support at home. Dangerous encounters, priorities surpassing counterterrorism. America's top military chief and Britain's intelligence head issue warnings about dangers posed by China. The organizer for a New York-based event gets a message from suspected Chinese authorities, including a death threat. And Chinese companies have been buying more and more U.S. farmland. A congressman is trying to stop it, but he's facing pushback. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's potential Taiwan visit is gaining traction. President Biden seems to be questioning the plan, while Beijing has threatened to respond if the trip goes through. Here's more on what's happening.
1: President Biden appears to be casting doubt on House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's potential visit to Taiwan next month. Last week, when asked about the speaker's plan, The president told reporters.
2: Well, I I, I
3: think that the military thinks it's not a good idea right now, but uh, I I don't know what the status of it is.
1: Pelosi also responded. I think what the president was saying is maybe the military was afraid our plane would get shot down or something like that by the Chinese. I don't know exactly. I didn't see it. I didn't hear it. You're telling me, and I've heard it anecdotally, but um, I haven't heard it from the president. Pelosi would be the highest-profile American policymaker visiting Taiwan in decades. Her predecessor, Newt Gingrich, met the Taiwan president in 1997. Beijing claims the democratically-ruled island of Taiwan as its own. The Chinese Communist Party said it would respond with what it called forceful measures if Pelosi goes through with the Taiwan visit, adding that it was getting seriously prepared for the possibility. But at home, the House Speaker's plan has won support from across the aisle in Congress as well as from former officials. Former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo offered to fly with Pelosi to Taiwan, while a Congress member wrote on Twitter that communist China does not get to dictate who in America can visit Taiwan. Tu wrote a letter asserting that the House Speaker should never have to ask a foreign dictatorship for permission to talk to America's friends and allies. Meanwhile in Taiwan, tensions are in the air. On Monday, Taiwan's capital staged air raid drills, and its military mobilized for routine defense exercises.
2: In recent years, Chinese
4: military planes have frequently harassed Taiwan, and the war between Russia and Ukraine broke out in February this year. And we need to be prepared when there is war.
1: Biden's administration has reiterated what it called its rock-solid commitment to the island's security.
0: Next, an update on the military sector. Top U.S. military officer General Mark Milley has warned that China has become significantly more aggressive and dangerous in the past five years. He says Chinese air and naval forces have made an increasing number of intercepts in the Indo-Pacific region, largely aimed at the U.S. and Allied forces. Milley opted not to say how many unsafe interactions have taken place, but Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin gave several examples in a speech last month. In one case near Australia, a Chinese warship pointed a laser at an Australian aircraft. And over in Canada, a Chinese fighter intercepted a Canadian aircraft in international airspace. Millie says Japan, the Philippines and Vietnam also have run into Chinese intercepts. Millie's comments come as he visits the Indo-Pacific region for a meeting with other defense chiefs. His first stop is Indonesia. The country is located where South Asia meets the Indian and Pacific Oceans. It sits on at least six choke point straits and is made up of over 17,000 islands. That geographical value has attracted attention from both Washington and Beijing. In his remarks, General Milley also warned that China's aggression could mean a possible invasion of Taiwan by 2027. That says Beijing has sent multiple groups of fighter jets into the island's air defense zone this year. Britain's spy chief pointed to China as the agency's top focus. He said MI6 plays a role in helping British lawmakers navigate Beijing's black box of complex strategies. Here are the details.
5: China is now Britain's top intelligence priority. That's according to the country's spy chief.
6: We have putting more effort uh, into China. Uh, we now devote more effort to China than any other single subject. So for example, it has just moved past uh, counterterrorism in terms of our mission. And that feels like a very big uh, moment, post 9-11, post 7-7 in London.
5: He points to the complexity of dealing with the threat posed by the Chinese regime.
6: Uh, this is still a pretty um, opaque system. I mean, at one level, uh, understanding Xi Jinping's strategic intent is not difficult. If you, if you read uh, you know, Made in China 2025, he lays out for you their ambitions around technology yeah. and their desire to dominate mm-hmm. uh, key technologies. But if you go beneath that strategy in terms of how they implement, how they organize, how they, you know, what their tactical intent is, and then what are the capabilities they're building up, that's a black box.
5: What's more, he touched on Beijing's influence activities in the UK.
6: So we've had a rather celebrated case in, in the UK recently of somebody working on behalf of the United, uh, United Front Workers Department, mm-hmm. which, whose job it is is to try and influence our societies towards a pro-China uh, position.
5: The United Front Work Department is a powerful agency under the Chinese Communist Party, tasked with overseeing foreign influence operations.
6: Uh, It's influencing uh, uh, other countries towards your position covertly, uh, undeclared, using funding uh, that's not on. So there's a lot of that going on.
5: Moore points out that Western democracies have one advantage that China doesn't. Friends and allies that they can work together with to take on challenges.
0: Two top candidates for British Prime Minister have zoomed in on China in the run-up to their debates. Former Chancellor Rishi Sunak has been accused of being too soft on the communist regime, but this weekend came out with a strong stance toward Beijing. He says he will ban Chinese Confucius Institutes within the UK. The culture and language exchange programs have been accused of pushing Chinese propaganda at British and other Western universities. British Foreign Secretary Liz Truss, the other candidate for prime minister, and her team have scrutinized Sunak's change of heart, questioning what he's done as chancellor these last two years. Here's an update from NTD's Malcolm Hudson.
2: China has become a key point of focus in the Tory leadership race. Former Chancellor Rishi Sunak said China is Britain's biggest long-term threat and promised to close all 30 Confucius Institutes in the UK. Which are understood to be soft power arms of the Chinese regime. But his apparent anti-China stance has come under scrutiny from this Truss's supporters, particularly because Sunak's treasury pushed hard for an economic deal with the Asian nation. In a press statement on Sunday, Sunak drew a hard line against China, saying, at home they are stealing our technology and infiltrating our universities, and abroad they are propping up Putin's fascist invasion of Ukraine by buying his oil and attempting to bully their neighbors, including Taiwan. He noted how the Chinese regime is using debt traps on developing countries as a power grab and mentioned the detention and torture of Chinese citizens in Xinjiang and Hong Kong. He also said politicians in Britain and the West have rolled out the red carpet and turned a blind eye to China's nefarious activity and ambitions. From there, Sunak promised to close all 30 Confucius Institutes in UK universities. The institutes are funded by the Chinese authority and are understood to be propaganda tools. Under the guise of promoting Chinese culture in foreign nations, Confucius Institutes suppress discussion about topics such as Tibet, the Uyghurs in Xinjiang and the persecution of Falun Gong practitioners. Sunak also proposed creating a NATO-style alliance against China's technological aggression and countering Chinese industrial espionage in UK businesses and universities. But those claims were met with scepticism by Truss's supporters. Sir Ian Duncan Smith called the announcement surprising. He said that over the last two years, the Treasury has pushed hard for an economic deal with China, despite China sanctioning five MPs. Duncan Smith noted the same issues Sunak raised and asked the former Chancellor, where have you been over the last two years? Sunak's turn of heart comes in the wake of reports about his soft and even positive stance on China. In the recent leadership debates, he expressed a mellower position. Where values can be protected, he says he favours trade. On top of this is the positive coverage Sunak received from Chinese state-run media Global Times. It's thought his new stance seeks to win the support of China hawks by dispelling the image that he is too soft on China. Meanwhile, Truss's campaign has said, Liz has strengthened Britain's position on China since becoming foreign secretary. Her spokesperson said she will continue to do so as prime minister. Former leadership hopeful Tom Tugendhat welcomed Truss and Sunak's stances, saying, "I'm pleased that both Tory leadership candidates have recognised the challenges raised by China and called to reduce strategic dependence on Beijing." Truss has had a year's worth of action to back up her stance. She used to be supportive of China, but over the last year we've seen her position turn around. Whereas Sunak has only just begun to change his tune, so it remains to be seen how firm his resolve really is. Malcolm Hudson, NTD News, London.
0: Coming up, a look at a growing trend, Chinese purchases of American farmland, plus the pushback a congressman has faced in trying to prevent Chinese companies from doing it. And after that, a death threat to one New York resident who organized a panel on Beijing's threat. We have more on the story after the break here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China In Focus, I'm Tiffany Meyer. A panel discussion aimed at uncovering the true nature of the Chinese Communist Party was successfully held last week, but not without issues. The event's organizer reportedly received a death threat from suspected Chinese authorities. Here's a closer look.
4: On Wednesday, a panel was held to discuss the Chinese Communist Party, or CCP. The event was called Wake Up to the CCP's Threat, It was organized by the Global Service Center for Quitting the CCP and the Mount Hope Chinese Association. The Global Service Center for Quitting the CCP helps members of the party and its affiliated organizations renounce their support for the regime. Part of that process involves choosing pseudonyms to protect their safety and to prevent retaliation from Chinese authorities. Two days ahead of the event, one of the organizers, Chris Chung, received the following voice message.
7: This is a representative of the Chinese Communist Party. We at the Chinese Communist Party have a particular set of skill. We will cook you a great chicken curry, and then we will find you, and we will kill you.
4: The message also told Chung, quote, if you attend the 7 p.m. event, you are responsible for the consequences. The event organizers reported it to the police and FBI. In the end, the panel still went smoothly with police standing by on site. Among the highlights of the event, American professor Zhang Tianling explained how the Chinese regime infiltrates the U.S. through five methods. Those are overseas propaganda, data collection, intellectual property theft, political agents, and educational or cultural exchange programs. The panel was held in Mount Hope, a town located in upstate New York. Locals voiced positive feedback.
6: I thought it was very, very uh, informational and uh, I, I benefited greatly from being here. The
4: town's mayor also voiced support and explained what he believes the event brought to the community.
8: People here in the community can educate themselves, so this way that communism doesn't come here to America. Very important. But I think it's even uh, more bold and more brave for the panelists and the organizers to come through and hold such a great community event to show the CCP that they can't scare us into hiding.
4: What's more, a panel member explained why the threat Chung received is so significant.
2: Um, But they use threats commonly to threaten and make people feel afraid to have that fear. And that's even more reason why America is the land of the free, home of the brave. We need to stand for those values and to not succumb to the fear of the CCP, the terror that the CCP rules by.
4: NTD, New
0: York. China's support of Russia has raised concerns across the Western world. That's with Beijing ramping up its good shipments to Russia. Let's take a closer look.
7: In the first half of 2022, Chinese microchip exports to Russia have doubled compared to last year. Now, they're worth around 50 million U.S. dollars. What's more, shipments of printed circuits are soaring to double-digit percentage growth. Those parts are a significant component in making military gear, as well as a crucial material for weapons manufacturing and aerospace. Aluminum oxide shipments from China to Russia are also 400 times higher than last year. That's according to Chinese customs data. U.S. Ambassador to China Nicholas Burns last week emphasized the U.S. government's urging for China to stop supporting Russia. Since the beginning of the Ukraine war, Washington has repeatedly warned Beijing not to aid Russia's invasion. It's also made clear that if Beijing insists on supporting the country, China will face sanctions as well as Russia. Beijing denies supporting the war, though Chinese data reflects boosted oil and raw materials exports that may be helping continue the conflict. Last month, Washington just announced plans to add five Chinese companies to its trade blacklist. That's after they reportedly aided Moscow's military. On the Chinese side, Beijing refuses to call the Russian attack on Ukraine an invasion and blames the U.S. for the issue. Beyond that, Chinese regime leader Xi Jinping has said China and Russia's friendship has no limits.
0: China has been growing its presence in the American food system. That's by buying U.S. farmland. By 2020, Chinese investors have bought almost 200,000 acres of land with a value of $1.9 billion. NTD Steve Lance sits down with Congressman Dan Newhouse for more details on the trend and the pushback he's facing as he works to counter it. Let's dive in.
8: Congressman Dan Newhouse, thank you so much for joining us. Happy to be with you. Yes, thank you. Congressman, you've been one of the leading voices when it comes to uh, China, specifically Chinese entities purchasing U.S. agricultural land. Uh, Tell us why that is and what has you concerned?
3: We've been seeing an increase in interest and purchase of agricultural assets in our country, in the United States. Uh, by By Chinese firms uh, increased by a factor of ten over say the last decade, uh, frankly overall, the number is of acres owned american farmland uh, acres uh, is is not huge. The trend is concerning and um, i 've been watching um, what 's happening around the world as China uh, looks to expand its sphere of influence and and uh, control more and more resources and pieces of infrastructure. I took a trip several years ago to Central and South America and saw firsthand some of the things that they've done uh, down there and have heard stories about some of the activities they're involved with in other continents, like Africa, and started to look around and see, huh, those things are happening here in the United States as well. and um, A lot of people aren't paying attention to the fact that. Uh, China is becoming a much bigger player in the agricultural industry in the United States. Can you tell us about that amendment
8: that you mentioned?
3: Absolutely. Actually, this has been going on now for two appropriation seasons. It's just an effort to preclude uh, China uh, from purchasing agricultural assets. And so, as you can imagine, there was some pushback. we're in a period of time where um, many people raised a, a concern uh, that this would actually um, target Chinese people in the United States, and that was not our intention. So we we made some adjustments to that, and then other people were uh, concerned that why are you targeting just one country? China's the only one that's doing this. That you know, we, we look at other. Other countries that are not allies, such as Russia, North Korea, Iran, they're not engaged uh, nearly to the extent and can't, uh, Many in the cases of several of those countries, don't have the financial wherewithal to do what China is doing. But China is very engaged.
8: I mean, it's a whole different discussion to talk about how China uses disinformation campaigns to manipulate the conversation. By they could be the ones behind that uh, narrative, saying that it targets Chinese people.
3: Well, you 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 probably know a little bit more about that than I do, but you're absolutely right. I think that some of the resistance and some of the pushback that we felt over the last year uh, could exactly could very well have originated uh, from them because they have a lot on the line. A lot, a lot. uh, uh, invested in our country, and they want to protect that. And, and the amendment passed uh, unanimously a year ago through the Appropriations Committee. I was very happy about that. But then, through the um, bringing the bill to the Rules Committee and eventually to the floor, it had it went through a couple more iterations. It added those other countries, put in some language so that it wouldn't be seen as just targeting. Chinese uh, individuals, uh, and so we tried to be more specific about, about the intention. And then by the time it got through the conference process between the Senate and the House, essentially it was um, narrowed down to just asking the, the Department of Agri- Agriculture for a report on how much uh, China has, has purchased over the last several years, So, and frankly, I'm not even sure we've gotten that report yet from the USDA. So my, the effort was redoubled to do this again with another attempt in language at the appropriations level in the committee, and then also standalone legislation so that uh, we could address this head on.
8: So we were having a chat earlier about uh, China owning or having 50% of the world's grain supply. Um, There's talk of food shortages. We're seeing the inflation through various uh, things that we purchase in the supermarket. can you tell us are there regulatory barriers that can be broken down to help uh, relieve some of this pain for farmers?
3: One thing that many people have heard of is the Waters of the United States regulations, the Waters of the United States, that's so become known as WOTUS, which is, uh, in my estimation, truly the the most egregious uh, regulatory overreach by the federal government ever. This will dictate how. How every farmer in the country uses their their land, they actually, they have to get a permit through the federal government and this isn 't just um, uh, you know, wild talk to potentially change crops to plow in the spring, depending on what the, what water bodies are in the na- neighboring area or on their land that would impact uh, what 's seen as po- a water pollution. States are already doing a lot of this kind of stuff. We have regulations that were put in place under the last administration. This administration wants to go go back to the Obama era, which was very, very um, uh, egregious as far as the restrictions that it put on farmers and that mandated, dictated to them how they actually ran their farms. So we want to put a hold on that. There's other things that are happening in the Environmental Protection Agency. Congressman Dan Newhouse, thank you. Thank you. Always a pleasure.
0: That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching and see you tomorrow.
6: The 2022 NTD 8th International Chinese Vocal Competition will be held from September 29th to October 2nd at the Merkin Hall of Kaufman Music Center in New York City. The competition is honored to have specially invited vocalists with the world-renowned Shen Yun Performing Arts to serve on its panel of judges. The gold award is $10,000. For more information, please visit vocal.ntdtv.com.